DJ PK, time now to talk about Hassan Whiteside and Nimi Shikeda. Matt George, host of the Locked on Kings podcast, covering the Sacramento Kings, joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the new solution. For any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation, find out more at smartrain.net. Matt, good morning. DJ, PK, what's up? Greetings from uh, Sacramento where it's way too hot and there's still nothing to do. <laughs> Long time ago, Matt, I used to work in Sacramento. KOVR, and, uh, KOVR and says you got hello. out, huh? I and did. You got out. <laughs> I was assisted in my departure, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it worked out. So uh, we're curious here, Hassan Whiteside coming to the Jazz and a quick look at his stats and what happened. Uh, he'd been a starter most of his career. He barely started and he only played 36 games. His playing time was cut in half. A lot of the stats fell because of the playing time, but stuff like his shooting percentage was down several points. What, what was going on? Hassan Whiteside's the purpose of Hassan Whiteside in Sacramento was never remotely clear to begin with. I remember when we heard rumors last offseason that the Kings were potentially targeting him and everybody was just kind of looking around wondering why. Uh, and then uh, thankfully when, when the Kings did sign him, it was only for a, a minimum deal. So it wasn't for the money that initially we, we thought that Hassan Whiteside was going to command on the market. But it was a mixture of a lot of things. It was a mixture of Rashawn Holmes continuing to play very, very well at that starting center spot. Uh, Hassan did have a, a bout with COVID or at least health and safety protocols uh, from what we know that, that held him out for a while that kind of disrupted uh, disrupted his rhythm a little bit. And then the Sacramento Kings, at least offensively, are a team when you have De'Aaron Fox on your roster, you want to play fast. You want to play up-tempo. And that is not the game of Hassan Whiteside. It might have been back in the day. Uh, it's not anymore. The man moves like he's stuck in molasses, whether he's on the perimeter or, or in the paint. Now, he did do what the Kings asked him to do in limited uh, stretches well, which is block shots and just be a presence on the interior, but not enough for him to command as much playing time as maybe we all expected. So do you think it's a significant pickup, decent pickup, or a waste of time pickup for the Jazz? I, I, I have a hard time believing that anything Hassan Whiteside does for the rest of his career at this point is going to be significant. Um, I, I think it can be a decent pickup in the sense that when when um, Rudy Gobert goes out of the game, you're not having a significant or the, uh, like, like a massive defensive drop off uh, when he's coming in to back things up. He does very very well at at, at, at protecting the rim and being that presence in the paint. But if he's going to match up against a, a modern NBA big who is capable of spacing the floor. You'll notice very quickly, Hassan won't step further beyond the top of the key. He just doesn't go out there. So you, you can't play him against a, a Denver Nuggets with Nikola Jokic. Uh, you, can't, you just can't play him uh, guarding a modern NBA big. You couldn't play him against the Bucks with Brooke Lopez because uh, they'll, just, they'll just space the floor on him and pull him out of the paint where he's at his most effective. So it's not entirely clear how Quinn Snyder is going to play the Jazz non-Gobert minutes. And Gobert's probably good for 35 minutes, so that leaves 13 minutes a game. And they might, you know, there's been talk about you you put several forwards out there, Rudy Gay gets his time, and and you play without the traditional center, in which case Whiteside's role gets tiny to non-existent. Uh, But when he is in the game backing up Gobert, when Gobert sits down, isn't the opposing team just going to put him in a pick-and-roll every time? 
Yeah, I imagine uh, that's that's going to be the the approach. That's certainly the approach most teams had uh, when when he was in the game for Sacramento. Uh, in the event that that they do try and attack the basket, work their way into the paint, Hassan's white uh, his his presence down there is still very significant. I mean, he can he can block shots easily. He changes shots. He disrupts shots. So in a lot of ways, the Kings who have lacked that shot blocking, uh, or they lacked it a lot going into last season, it was a breath of fresh air having Hassan's presence there alone. The problem is, in the modern NBA, like you mentioned, it's really easy to, to, to handle that. It's really easy to pull a big man away from the basket now with just basic spacing. And, then yeah, uh, pick and rolls, all you have to do is get him to switch on a smaller guard. Uh, and, like I said, he's either going to give you all the space in the world to shoot, or if he does step out on you, you're going right by him with a quick jab step. So it's not too easy to break down and defeat Hassan, which is why I question just his overall ability to be effective in large stretches uh, in the in the NBA for the remainder of his career. Well, I guess the argument would be he's not going to play large stretches and he's going to play against second-team guys. And if there's a bunch of big men who can step out on pick-and-rolls and all, they'd be starters anyway. So the guys he's going up against should be okay. I mean, that's one argument. I, I And I understand that completely. If, if the Jazz and Quinn Snyder can find a way to effectively use Whiteside in his in where he's comfortable, keep him in the paint, keep him doing what he does best. I think he can be an asset uh, for the Utah Jazz. And, and like you said, in those limited minutes, in those small stretches, one to two to three minutes while Rudy Gobert gets some rest, the rim protection doesn't drop off at all. If, if anything, it might, well, I, I'm not going to go as far as to say it goes up a little bit because Gobert is Rudy Gobert, but it, you're not losing a lot in terms of rim protection and rebounding as well. I mean, he, he can secure the glass just with his size alone. Um, it's just, honestly, it's the mobility that's the biggest question mark and forever will be for me. Jazz fans are uh, are craving a championship. When you handicap the West, looking at all the moves, Sacramento's got a lot of building to do, so you don't really have a dog in the hunt right now. What do you think? I like the Utah Jazz a lot. It was very, very easy for me to root for the Utah Jazz. I'm also a huge Donovan Mitchell fan, and I'm still regretting. I regret a lot of Sacramento Kings drafts, but uh, regretting not taking Mitchell at 10 uh, when you had both 5 and 10 in the De'Aaron Fox draft. Is still painful to me, that being said, Tyrese Halliburton being here, Davion Mitchell. I like what the Kings are doing, but when you make the, miss the playoffs for 15 straight years, it's hard to have too much optimism that, oh, this will be the year. We've been saying that for over a decade. Uh, but in terms of the Utah Jazz, uh, I, I like the way they're built. I'm very pleased, at least from my perspective, that uh, the – Rumored issues, which might have been a bigger thing. You can tell me this more than I can tell you outside of, of Utah than inside the, the issues or disconnect between Davion Mitchell, uh, or rather Donovan Mitchell, excuse me, uh, and Rudy Gobert. I'm, I'm glad those issues seem to work themselves out. Big fan of uh, Quinn Snyder as well. I like what the Utah Jazz are doing, uh, and I was rooting for them to make a big run. Now, it was fun for the Phoenix Suns to be the Cinderella story that they were, but Utah was the best team in the West for a reason. Uh, I expect them to be right back there, and I always enjoy every time we get to see them and, and come to Sacramento because I always put up a good show for Kings fans who haven't seen winning in quite some time. How about Whiteside's ability? We know he can block shots, but his ability to go up, try to block a shot, maybe he alters the shot so it's not blocked, but then about his ability to able to get himself in the position to rebound. Yeah. 
To be honest with you, I'm trying to come up with a, like a, a memory in my mind of, of a play where that happened. Altering shots for sure. Uh, it's honestly he does it more than he actually block shots. And altering right. shots around the rim can be just as effective, if if not even more effective, as long as you're staying out of foul trouble. If if the if the ball is anywhere remotely in his vicinity, coming off of a rim, he's probably going to get it just with his length alone and his physical presence. I didn't realize like how girthy Hassan Whiteside was when until I saw him in person coming back to Sacramento. He certainly put it on weight, so he's not an easy guy to push around. So if he gets position, more than likely he's securing the rebound. The problem is if the, if the ball comes off the rim um, in any which direction and it's a long rebound, more than likely, he's he's not getting to it um, just because of his speed. And I think what will frustrate um, some Utah Jazz fans is there will be a rebound, a 50-50 ball that he probably could get that he just won't give the maximum effort to secure. There are going to be a handful of those that could result in second-chance opportunities and second-chance points uh, for Utah's opponent that will probably drive Quinn Snyder, the two of you, and everybody else uh, just crazy. We have agreed the use of the word girthy during this interview makes this a smashing success. Good work, Matt. <laughs> no, no problem, guys. Thank you so much for having me, and cheers from Sacramento. And uh, hopefully the, the Kings could be, can be number two in the West and the Jazz can be number one. But, hey, we'll dream. Hey, uh, before we <laughs> let you go, uh, Keda was a star at Utah State. Where does he fit in with the Kings? You know, it's it's funny. I had um, Rafael Barlow, who's one of our draft experts on my Locked on Kings podcast recently, and Rafael said on draft night that he thought that Keita could be the Kings' starting center. Now, this was before they had re-signed and re-secured Rashawn Holmes and then gone out and gotten Alex Len, Tristan Thompson, and suddenly the Kings go from no backcourt or frontcourt depth to a crap ton of frontcourt depth. Um but we still had a conversation on my podcast a couple of days ago, and we believe Kata is is a, a, a good asset to potentially crack the Kings rotation. And what's crazy is I asked Kings general manager Monty McNair about Kata and him falling to 39, and, and he said he couldn't believe how under the radar a natural seven-footer who was an analytical darling like Kata averaged double-double and scoring a very efficient score also like 3.3 blocks, uh, almost two steals a game. He didn't understand how a player like that could slide so far. Maybe it's it's because he's a natural seven-footer in the modern NBA, maybe because he's a little bit older. Uh, who knows? But I absolutely love him. I love what I've seen uh, in, in summer league so far. Certainly has some rust to work on, but the footwork is already significantly better than some of the bigs the Kings have pit- taken in recent history. And on top of that, for a natural seven-footer, thing, the opposite of Hassan Whiteside, his mobility on the perimeter has been a lot better than what I expected. Uh, so I'm excited. He has a two-way contract. He'll get good opportunity, plenty of playing time uh, with the G League Stockton Kings. But I expect him to get minutes and, and provide a lot of what the Kings have been lacking that maybe they were hoping Hassan Whiteside could provide last season. Matt, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Good luck with the podcast. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure, guys. Happy to do it again. Matt George, host of the Locked On Kings. All right, so we take away from that with Whiteside. He doesn't move as well as he used to. But can he be helpful in some matchups? Uh, what I took away from that is he thinks Whiteside's a stiff. Yeah, he's done. He's slow, he's old, and blah, blah, blah. Now, you have to look at it. Uh, all right, and there's been some deterioration, which is natural. But listening to Hassan speak, there was a sense of excitement because he's coming to a team that has a shot to win it all. And he didn't have that. 
And so is there some form of rejuvenation, some form of increased uh, intensity and desire and all those things? I can't answer that question. I can pose it, but I can't answer it with any degree of certainty one way or the other. We will see it. That's the great thing about it is that you have to, to succeed, you have to try. And once you go out and you do something that is considered, not that this is really bold, but it's a move. And sometimes moves don't work. Sometimes they do work. You know, not all moves that they make are great moves. We've seen that with Ed Davis and Jeff Green. Uh, but, you know, on the other hand, we've seen it with Joe Ingles and Royce O'Neill and so forth. So we'll find out in time. And we'll know. Quinn Snyder will tell us even if he doesn't say a word. Plain time yeah. speaks very loudly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we'll be able to literally see what they think well, of him. Somebody will put him in a pick and roll, and then we'll find out he can move or he can't. And we'll see. I mean, to your point, can he challenge a shot and go up and get a rebound? Right. That's back what I in, want to see. Back in the day, he could. And apparently, mm-hmm. it's going to take some rejuvenation for that to happen again. Apparently, and who knows that was, it's not going to be there. That's right. what I'm saying. Because yeah. if you listen to him talk, uh, listening to it, what was it last week when he came on, or was it Monday? It was early this yeah, week, I think it was yeah. Monday. Uh, and when he was talking about it, what he the thing that the number one thing I took from him is his excitement to be on a winning team, not a team that's one game over 500, but a team that is pushing to win it all. And that's what they're talking about. Justin Zanuck has spoken about that, that they believe that they're in contention, and we all believe it too. So what is there? What is left for him? And how can they get it out of him and put him in the position to succeed? And the number one thing I took from him speaking was his excitement to be having this opportunity. In Sacramento, for whatever reasons, and there's been plenty of them, Mm. they've sucked for so long. 15 years without going to the playoffs. It's just amazing. In a league that doesn't require that much to get there with the system that's set up and the few numbers, just the sheer numbers involved, not like the other sports that have double and triple the rosters and more than that in football. And, you know, you can see how it might be difficult. And here they should reward you by just because you sucked and you got a pick. And but they can't do it. Fifteen years is just startling. So he's out of that situation. So where does he go? What does he have? What level of ability can be able to be taken out of that excitement? You just can't be excited. You still have to produce. So you're not asking for much either. And I'm not as worried about this, this pick and roll stuff because how many big men uh, on the second team are going to be he's proficient? Yeah. yeah, it's not like he's going to go up against Jokic that much. We already get. It. I already knew. I'm not going to have him play and expect a lot of success against Jokic. First of all, hardly anybody has success against Jokic, and secondly, he's a reserve. So the question is about how well he's moving and all that. You know, his rebounds are down, but the rebounds per minute have only slipped a little bit, not drastically. Well, he when you six see... boards and he played 15 minutes. Right. That's Those are the things you need him to do. A rebound every two and a half minutes, that's, that's usually a pretty good number. And if he can't do it, you got Azubuke. What can he do? Or you play the, or you're playing the smaller lineup, which they may want to go to anyway. Oh, they will. Yeah. So circumstances will dictate that they will. But but the the small lineup can't provide the rim protection. So if you're looking for the rim protection to the level, 
you have a couple of options. Let's see who's the better of the two. Because it's not like he's guaranteed 15 minutes a game. No, he's not. No, he's going to have to earn those 15 minutes, 13 to 15, or whatever it might be. playing time was down to 31 minutes a game last year. So I said 35. Well, whatever it might be. Might a little be. optimistic. Yeah, whatever it might be. Uh, so, And that's a good thing, too. You're coming in here, and you're guaranteed to get your money. All right, you're going to get your money either way, and you've been in the league a number of years, so you should have a fair amount of money stored up. Uh, it's about playing time, too. And what are you going to do? Well, I got this young kid over here. You know, he blocked six shots in the summer league. It's summer league, but still, you showed some ability there. I mean, you're just you're not asking for a whole lot out of that particular backup position. And can he do? Where other guys, you're asking for a lot. I mean, I think you ask a lot of Joe Ingles. He's what we identify as a backup. Well, Clarkson and Ingles come off the yeah. bench, but you look at the minutes they play. Yeah, it's a much bigger role. Yeah, you need those guys to contribute for your team to be to the maximum level that you want them to be. And so they've got to do their thing. And Rudy Gay, I suspect, is going to have to do his thing that they're bringing him in for. Here, you're just not asking that much. So I get it. If I had watched a whole season of him in Sacramento, first of all, if I had to watch Sacramento basketball for 82 games, I'd probably gouge my eyes out too. So just on that. And, and it's like it's, 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 it's on the same cycle. That's the problem. Yeah, you know? it's like if it were, yeah. if it were a three year rebuild, you just yeah. put up the three years of bad basketball, knowing okay, now you get to run a five or six or yeah. eight years or whatever. When is this thing going to emerge? When we, you drafted Marvin Bagley and Luka Doncic is available? Oops. No, that's not just an oops. <laughs> <laughs> well, bleeping oops. <laughs> yeah, or just bleep bleep. Yeah, I mean, come on. You know what I mean there? He's a franchise changer, and he was right there for you to have. And you whiffed. And you said, no, thank you. (laughs) And the kid took no time to develop. He was instant stardom right from the literally right from the start. He's already made All NBA twice. (laughs) Twenty two years old. Yeah, All NBA first team. All right, and that's just off the top of our heads. I'm sure if we went back, I know they took and a lot of teams uh, passed on Kawhi Leonard. So it's not like you can crack on Sacramento, but you took Jimmer and Kawhi Leonard was there. Bleep bleep. Uh, Clay Thompson was there. Did they pass on Steph Curry, or did they draft later that year? I think Jimmer was 10th. Steph went like 6th. Yeah, he went, yeah, he went before that. Because I think Minnesota, another team that sucked, Whiffed had twice. four and the 4th and 5th picks. Oh, Johnny Flynn. Johnny Flynn. Johnny Flynn. Come on. And, and, Swing and, 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 they, and Did they take Flynn before Rubio, or Rubio before Flynn? I believe it was Flynn, then Rubio. Yeah. Yeah. And so he had back to back. But so yeah. Johnny Flynn was taking like fourth, yeah. and nobody knew Steph Curry was going to be all this to this level. I understand that, but Coming still, the Warriors took him at sixth. So it's not like he was a sleeper. I mean, sixth picks pretty yeah. high. They saw something, yeah. And so they take him sixth, uh, and you know, that that's the foundation of and, fifteen years of missing the playoffs. Yeah, unless Jeez. you're the Lakers or somebody, and I don't know that there's really teams beyond the Lakers. Uh, if you repeatedly miss on draft picks. And you don't even... The thing about it is, you don't even have to hit on a bunch of them. You just have to hit on some of them. The Suns sucked with drafting, but yet they hit on some. 
Right? Aiden was de- he's decent enough. He's not Doncic, but he's decent enough. Booker's home run. The, the Kings took Bismack Biombo with the seventh pick when Kemba Walker was available, went at nine. Clay Thompson was available, went at 11. And Kawhi Leonard was available and went at 15. Yeah. There were three guys who could have helped him. Ah, Walker to an extent. But I agree, to different levels. Yeah. Totally. But Kemba Walker over Biombo all day long. Yeah, but it's really cool to say Biombo. Jimmy Butler was also available. Bismack Biombo. I mean, on. just Biombo. Biombo is a cool name to say. Now, I have no idea where he is right now. <laughs> is he with Charlotte? I think he's still yes, with Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah. Charlotte. Okay, so I guess I do. Good job. Uh, Nailed it. But, yeah, come on. All right, DJ and PK coming up. We've got Greg Rubel, play-by-play voice of the Cougars, 9 o'clock, a preseason visit with him to see where things are and where things are headed. That is 30 minutes away. And next, oh, gas on the fire of the robbery. Have you got that, Yak? Oh, my goodness, by the top dog himself, Benedict Arnold. Ah, wow. <laughs> Revolutionary War. <laughs> Metaphors and similes. Holy War, Revolutionary War. That's next. Stay with us.